Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. <laughs> Rome season one, episode eleven. The spoils is over, but here on post show recap, we're just getting started. My name is Grace, but of course I'm not alone. I'm joined with new dictator for life, DM Philly. Philly, how you doing? So good, so good, Grace. I'm supposed to go 13, 13, mm-hmm. 13. Mm-hmm. Uh, do we have a number? Is this 11? 11, 11, 11. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know what numbered legion we are. I don't know. 13 is unlucky. Was it not unlucky in Roman times? Probably not, I guess. Uh, maybe not. I think that 13, uh, I, it's really funny because I was just talking about this on the last episode of The Winter King mm-hmm. with my co-host Prez because 13 was a very relevant number. And I think that it's traditionally uh, like prime number, a number of mm-hmm. powers amongst pagan ideologies. It's a big witch number. We love seven. We love 13. We love right. these weird prime numbers. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it is weird. Seven is typically good luck and 13 is bad luck. But seven is bad luck in some culture it's definitely good luck if you like slurpees and you go to the 11 so that's That's where we're at 11 11 all right we're talking about the spoils which is the penultimate episode of season one we're almost done here this is a monday we're back at it uh one more episode tomorrow we'll be done season one we'll kick off season two on wednesday no rest for the weary make sure to subscribe pushrecaps.com slash rome rich what'd you make of the spoils I like this episode. I think that it like builds in an interesting way. It takes us, I think, in some directions we probably didn't anticipate. Uh, But the end of it, I think, is like one of my favorite endings to an episode of Rome, certainly in season one. Like uh, we leave with like in in real bombastic fashion, Grace. Yep. I feel like uh, we could see that Varenis and Pulo had broken up. I believe there's even a line this episode where he's like, yeah, we're not, we're not hanging out anymore. He gave him the Abbey Maria. He's dead to me. He's dead to me. Uh, They're pretty much back together seemingly to a degree by the end of the episode. Things feel really bad for Julius Caesar as uh, once again, beneath the surface, things seem to be bubbling up. Um, And I know how his life ends. So feels not great. Julius Caesar at the moment. Yeah, maybe maybe not terrific, huh? Things are starting to boil over for poor Jules. Yeah. Well, let me give a quick plot recap and then we'll get into it. So Pulos is working for Erastes, but he is told use discretion. He ultimately stabs a man without discretion in the street and is charged with murder. Um, And the man he murdered is supposedly a vocal critic of one Julius Caesar. 
Varenas is approached by a fellow veteran named Mascus who wants Caesar to provide land to veterans. Caesar approves, but the land is pretty far away. It's uh, in Germania. Uh, it takes a 12,000 Denali bribe to get Mascus to approve the 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 uh, land grants uh, that is far away, and Caesar is seemingly impressed with Varenas' ability to corrupt the man. Mark Antony tries to win back Atia, though their relationship seems fraught. They do end up sleeping together. Meanwhile, Pulo is convicted of murder and is sentenced to death. Mascus and his men are going to set him free, but are stopped by Varenas, who knows that stopping the killing will only seem like Caesar had him assassinated. It will turn out that. Uh, Posca is going to go pay Erastes as this man was killed by Caesar. Pulo is sent to the arena to fight. He ultimately kills about, I don't know, anywhere from 10 to 50 men. I wasn't keeping track, only to be saved by one Varenus. Brutus is offered to oversee Macedonia, which Caesar uh, believes, uh, so uh, Brutus believes that this is because Caesar does not trust him. Caesar assures him he does, but he would like to send him away for a year. Brutus refuses and tells his mother, Servilia, he is ready to do his duty to the Republic. And that's the spoils, Rich. What a little jerk you are, Brutus. How dare you? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, a, a lot went on here. You know, I talk so much about Ray Stevenson, and, and it's partly because, you know, we just lost him in the in the last summer here, and we're right on the heels of talking about Ahsoka, where I thought he gave an incredible performance in a role that he's obviously not going to be able to reprise, and I'm just delighted to be able to sing his praises all month. But Kevin McKidd as Lucius Varenas is so freaking good sometimes. Like, I really do love this character. And I think that he brings it to life. He's got this like brooding, pensive, angry man energy grace that I like can relate to far too much for a man of the modern era in like 21st century United States, you know. I totally agree. I think he's basically the person that I knew the least. Maybe Polly Walker as Atia is someone who I didn't know much before um the show though she was in bridgerton so i might like just know her without knowing her he for sure is the person i i think um out of sort of like you know i knew i know ray stevenson um obviously like in the new season of ahsoka knowing he had passed away and some of his other work uh big fan of karen hines carrie condon um uh, Lindsay duncan tobias menzies all people that like were definitely on my radar and i was very excited to watch i totally agree that kevin mckid has sort of for me been the quiet surprise of this show mm -hmm. i you know i i joke that i'm like you know i'm not like i i am not going to be the like like i'm not a pulo i don't think but i'm closer to a pulo than i am a varenis i think yeah maybe that's not true i'm a pretty big you know i like rules so i don't know but i think i was like ex i don't know i in the first few episodes like you're definitely rooting for pulo i think because he's like yeah he's he's the prisoner who gets dragged along and like even varenis being like you know i'm only dragging you along because this is like a worthless mission that we're on and he's certainly the one who, like, in this classic trope, in this duo, who, like, thinks he's, like, above Pulo and ultimately learns, like, oh, there's so much to learn from him. Well, also, I think at the same time, there's such a nice balance between what they both get out of their friendship, obviously, until it sort of, like, starts to deteriorate, deteriorate over the last um, few episodes. But, yeah, no, I would agree. For me, like, Kevin McKidd is a total surprise. Again, the thing, like, he's been in a bunch of stuff, but he, I'm, not, I'm not super familiar with him in the way that I was a lot of these other um main uh main cast of characters 
I think for me, having seen it again, is this like one and done years ago? It just occurs to me as we're starting up like our third week of coverage that I've not sung the man's praises enough because uh, I think like Titus Pulo is, is what you're talking about. He's the more accessible, the more relatable, the more rootable character, right? Like Varenis does a lot of like really obnoxious things that are kind of frustrating. We like can easily be a little bit turned off to him and his decision making. And when you talk about like you being closer to a Pulo, like I am definitely not closer to Titus Pulo. I think I'm much more like Veredis, but I want to be more like Pulo, right? Like every D&D mm -hmm. character I make is going to be chaotic good. I'm almost never going to play lawful good grace, but I really am like rigid and structured. And like, I think that part of the conflict in this man is trying to like reconcile these two parts of himself. It's very much the Jamie Lannister story, right? Obey the king, honor your father. Like, how mm -hmm. do you do both those things when they're at odds with one another? And I love that that kind of exploration of self and of identity within the context of like a historical or a fantasy setting for that matter. Right. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's like a really fun way to explore, you know, ethics and morality and like the, the beginnings of like philosophy in a society that's not as advanced and like accommodating as the one that we live in today. Yeah, I did really enjoy. I think in terms of you talked about things that I wasn't expecting. I definitely wasn't expecting Pulo to like start this episode. But he doesn't start this episode. He does. Uh, do we see him the first murder? No, he. It's the second. Uh, we just see him do the second murder and then immediately get sort of like caught out for it and arrested. And this whole thing where Varenis is with. So Varenis, I love the way these two storylines are intertwined. Yeah, that's pretty great. Yeah, that Pulo is working for Erastes, and then Varenis is meanwhile trying to convince this man, uh, Mascius, that like you know it's in his best interest to to take this land offer. Um, Caesar saying like you know just see what it's worth for him, you know. And Varenis has his knows what he's doing, and this is that he's the one who tells Caesar like he has the ear of you know men on the outskirts of the legion who will then have. Um, like of other veterans who then have the ear of other people. So getting him on board with whatever decision that needs to be made will ultimately be uh, in favor to Caesar. And all of this is basically Caesar manipulating, right? To try and maintain his power because it's trying to make sure that the veterans don't stay mad at him uh, because uh, it's a Mark Antony who says that there is land. You just need to evict your enemies from it. He's like, yep. you know, it's like, no, they shall be my, my, my friends in, in due time. Um, but in the meantime, you've been making enemies with the veterans. So, and I love when he does it and Varenis is at the symposium. I love Varenis and Niobe being so uncomfortable being at a fancy party because that's yeah, exactly how fun. I feel Yep, at every fancy party. Uh, but he says like, you know, or Caesar says, oh, I should get you to do all my corruption work. And Varenis is like, please, sir. No, I don't actually want to do this. He's like, I was just joking when he's like, clearly not joking i feel like no like, yeah i mean yeah. in in the jest there is truth caesar uh, oh. a huge like drax energy from varenis too of like please no please with like the literal interpretations of everything i i really love like niobe walking in and like turning all the heads and being like please get me out of here like i don't i can't i don't want to be doing this at all like the way atia kind of like pounces on her like so quickly right um but yeah the varenis energy with caesar it's really fascinating 
fascinating because we've like watched his willingness again it's this like frog boiling in the pot kind of dynamic like as time goes on like it starts with the evil Cotty, and then next thing you know caesar gives you a horse and now you're corrupting the old veterans and like get buying off maskius to like send them to like the stony land that they'll never be able to grow a decent head of cabbage grace uh right. it's like a sad fate but i think it's a really elegant way for them to intertwine these stories as you like point out the way that like they both are kind of like driving back towards each other and we're going to reconnect to the pulo at all but yeah caesar's position uh suboptimal as he finds himself now back in rome yeah but um yeah the way that these is where like then you have mascus and his in his men who like as pulo so actually we should talk first about pulo's lawyer i believe yes it's so it's great. Uh, timon is uh is is um uh found to try and uh make sure that pulo goes free nobody wants to uh defend titus pulo this one poor innocent newbie it goes so poorly i think there's like a trope where you'd expect this like meek little, you know, uh, young lawyer, fresh face, if that's what he's called at the time. Some a Roman historian wants to correct us, but um, you know, you think like, oh, he's gonna like pull off the miraculous, he's gonna free Titus Pulo. And he basically starts and he's just like, Well, we all know this man is guilty, but and the and the judge is just like, Wait, he's guilty? He's like, Well, yeah, I'm not denying that. He's like, All right, well, the man will die. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you fool you said two sentences you shouldn't have said he's guilty uh so funny so good. i love the kids hiding underneath the rafters looking mm, up his toga Sam. too it's like very very funny beat that we had in there but uh time and like being in the square of like anybody please does anybody want work <laughs> please anyone and like this one pathetic guy he just keeps hearing the bread advertisements every day all he wants <laughs> is like some good roman grain grace <laughs> he's like all right i'll do it i will defend this undefendable man you know um the, the, the whole trial being this like public affair and everybody kind of like casting and cheering and yeah, yeah it's a whole scene and varen is like having to come bear witness to it right like holding mascus back like the fact that there is this kind of loyalty amongst the other legionnaires too that like mascus left to his own devices is like yeah a crew of us are going to murder a bunch of people and get Pulo out, you know? And there's yeah. a little bit of me that like really wants to see that scene, Grace, in the same way that they're like bracing for the fight against Erastes against the end of last episode. Like, yeah. I feel a little bit robbed by Varenis like ruining all the fun, but also uh, it's a pretty dramatic extra extraction that we get at the end here. But yeah, this public trial is like quite a spectacle to behold. Yeah, and so obviously he's like they're gonna the, the idea that Mascus and his men are there to like save a fellow veteran. I think that like the way that all of that is really interesting in the sense that the one thing that has really gotten on Pulo the most is the fact that he served in the Legion and it seemingly doesn't matter anymore. That there's yep. no there's nothing additional coming. He was looking for a, a new way to move on with his life, and he thought that would be with he would free um Ariane and, and and they would be together and obviously that has not worked out and so the fact that Varenis like halts basically a thing that i do feel like would like lift pulo up more than is the idea that like oh yeah his veteran status would like be the reason he gets like basically so it's it is probably the safer outcome for his pulo's own life although varenis i don't think no i mean he presume he must think that that 
Pulo is going to die in the arena, knowing that he has to go up against like as many men as he does. But I just think the dynamic there is really interesting. Both that like Varenis is stopping a thing that probably would like, you know, is a confidence booster to Pulo, but also he's doing a thing without, he doesn't know this, but he's playing right into Caesar's hand, right? Caesar has, has basically convinced Erastes to kill this man who is a vocal uh, detractor of Caesar so that he can kill him. And then he can't make it look like he paid for it. So he has to, he, he can't go and free Titus Pula because that would look like you're, you, you hired the man to kill your enemy and then freed the man who killed your enemy. So you have to let that man die to basically, you know, keep up the lie. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that that, that element of it is incredibly fascinating with the Posca reveal at the end, right? The fact, because like, again, I've been, I keep presenting these questions to you as we go of like, mm -hmm. and we've talked about how no single thing is like the individual motivator, that right. people are complex and they're driven by a, a variety of, of, of feelings, right? Mm -hmm. But you have Octavian coming to Caesar, like, we got to do something. We got to do something yeah. for Pulo. Yeah. I love Octavian sticking up for his torture Same. bro too. Same. It's so great. Octavian, like, I love this. This kid grace me too I know, like i threw See? darts at him early on but he's such a great character you know um and and the way that like caesar is going to be like man i'd love to i love i love pulo i know you love pulo veredis he's your brother but like i'm sorry boys we just can't i can't be like shown to look bad that way and then the fact that it like he is implicated at the end that the whole reason this man's going to get killed this man who like has done so much for you he went and retrieved the, your freaking heraldry in the beginning you know you're going to like leave him to die it's fascinating and then your whole like discussion of mascius and pulo's like sense of self being tied to his identity as a soldier i think it's so just like interesting to me you know like pride mm -hmm. is this thing that is of fundamental importance to a human being and we look at it as a little bit of a dirty word nowadays right like too much pride is like not a thing that is admirable in some unless way. it's june or wherever, whatever month. You oh, yeah, we do pride. love that pride. Yeah, my bad. <laughs> but like the notion of like this freed slave who has no like self-worth, who has no kind of like background behind him, no support system. There's no family for this guy mm -hmm. to go back to. He's got nothing but like his own like strength of arm and the cunning of his wits in the world. And he's found an identity in himself out of his career. And, mm -hmm. and you know, we the whole podcast here is predicated on the meme right of like thinking about ancient rome every day but again like i can't help but come back to the way like the more things change the more they stay the same like how many people out there in the world today are like set upon by the fact that their entire identity is governed by their profession and the, right. like the lack of kind of acknowledgement from industry insiders from your boss from your co-workers from your peers from your contemporaries from your family for like what you do in your job and how invested you are in it like this is such a kind of dysfunctional system sometimes and, and people are not rewarded for investing themselves fully in it but it's inexorably bound to so many of us that like when somebody asks you like oh who are you like we pavlovian respond with like our career you know oh i'm this mm -hmm. i'm that and like a person should be more than that should evaluate themselves as more than that but titus pulo can't all he has to hang his hat on all the all the pride in his life comes from that uniform and being part of that like band of brothers or whatever it is grace right so yeah. the fact that like Varenis inadvertently robs him of that validation is really tragic. I also love the killing of the cockroach as a sacrifice to the gods. Like, again, all the small, mm -hmm. like, you know, it's not world building because the world's already built. 
mm -hmm. living it, you guys. But mm -hmm. it is world building to like for a new audience to like bring us back to ancient Rome. That this yeah. is a thing that he would do. It's great. It's great. Yeah, it is good. I love the yeah, praying for you're going to have a long life and then if you got, you know, if you got extra time, maybe like Brannis and his family too. Yeah, help my boy Brannis out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah and then uh, he's going to go into the the arena, he's going to fight, he's going to slaughter all of these men who keep coming. I thought the last guy, man, the last guy has a very cool mace. Uh, Rich, do you notice his skull, his his mace? The yeah, same his thing? skull mace is very, very, cool. very, very cool. I can't, I couldn't help but wonder, like, did that guy play the mountain on Game of Thrones at one point? He's big enough. There were a lot of mountains. Like, was he yeah, one of the was. mountains? Maybe I don't know. That's a tall guy. It's a big guy. Yeah, and I love, I love. Yeah, he's chanting the thirteenth, and then Brannis is going to come out and help him. And it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Presumably, that like. He got sentenced to die in the arena. And I know I'm interested just because previously, um, you know, when there's talk of whether or not to sort of like, you know, arrest them or whatever. And he's like, no, these are, these are people who have the gods on their side. That's why Caesar doesn't, doesn't do anything um, about Varenus letting Pompey go. Right. Um, but now that he has saved Pulo in an act that he, you know, needed to, to, he 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 was gonna let Pulo die. And I did. I'm really interested to see the fallout from this than the next episode. It's really fascinating because I mean, even you go back to like the Pompey call, he didn't have direct orders there, right? He didn't like contradict any direct orders. There are implied orders, of course. Like right. clearly, mm -hmm. like I heard the newsreader. He said that every Roman was supposed to like do violence upon Pompey if they found him, right? So in that sense, like, yes, he failed, but this is like there's no ifs, ands, or buts. There's no interpretation of the fact that Caesar was like, no, we absolutely cannot help Titus Pula, right? And then he goes and helps Titus Pula. It's just, you know, it's a cliche in the way that it plays out at the end. You know Varenus isn't going to be able to stand there and watch, but I think they do a good job of, like, bringing us right to the edge of the precipice of, like, wait, is he going to just stand there and watch? Uh, and Varenus, like, pulling his toga off and leaping into, like, 1v1, not the mountain with the scary base is, like, it's just epic stuff, Grace. This is what I'm showing up to talk about Rome every day for, for sure. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about the fact that we have not gotten big you know, action scenes, but we've had a few of these, right? We're like, yeah, it's just uh, these like smaller, more intimate action scenes. Um, they're pretty well done. They're good. I like Pulo. It looks great. Up. Big uh, Spartacus blood and sand energy. He cuts yeah. that guy's leg right off, you know? Mm -hmm. That's how you knock down a big tree. You start at the base. Mm -hmm. Oh, I've been doing the top. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's mm -hmm. tricky. Um, you can make good money uh, if you're good at it, though. <laughs> yeah. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Not a ton in this episode between Mark Antony and Antia. And actually, I, 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 not from a TV show perspective, like I'm fine to watch on my TV. I hate, I hate them being together. I hate it so much. I hate it. I hate it. I Why? Don't what to... is it that you hate about it? Because Atia sucks. Stop. Don't go back to Atia, Mark Anthony. Don't do that. Don't do what he's like trying to. And uh, you know what? I really actually, I really don't like, um, I don't like the trope of like, I'll slap you. And then, oh, in the intimate throes of like our violence, actually let's sleep together. I do hate that trope a lot. Like a lot, a lot. Uh, I watched the movie last night that had the same thing. It was like, oh, it's so annoying. Although it was much more in line with the themes of the movie. But whatever, it's fine. Mark Anthony trying to win yeah. back at you. Yeah. We're we're not here to do any kink shaming, but I don't love this one either, right? Like I don't I never love the like uh, enemies to lovers arc. Like maybe not, maybe not. Maybe I don't need to like root for like toxic relationships with my entertainment, you know. Mm-hmm. Nonetheless, um Atia is like one of these people who's like an absolutely delectable TV character. She's so much fun to like watch, but she is an absolutely yeah. horrific, unambiguously like bad human being. Right. Yeah. So yeah. in that way, I love it. I'm like the exact opposite of you because Mark Anthony is just such like, he's a wrecking ball. This guy, you know, he's like a little bit more dangerous. He's got some sharper edges than Caesar. He's not as polished. Uh, he's volatile. And again, we know, uh, you know, Shakespeare wrote the play once upon a time but we're driving towards this inevitable relationship that the Antony Atia relationship becomes more interesting to me because mm. I know there's a bit of a ticking clock on it right and I'm always like well this is going to end not cleanly Grace I've been in enough breakups to know mm. like there's going to be fireworks <laughs> so, Do they have fireworks really- in Rome? Uh, certainly in ancient China at the time they had fireworks and the Romans did a lot of traveling. So, you know, let the historians come to correct me, but I'm just excited. In the wheel of time. And that seems to be set around. I don't know when the, you know, Oh yeah. The illuminators guild is a big deal in the wheel of time. Though the wheel of time is a little bit more of a Renaissance story. They have clocks. They have a little bit good technology. Um, can I ask you uh, a question? Do you think that when Mark Antony goes to Octavia and is like, oh, your mother, can you help me like win her back? And Atia is like two feet away, like listening in. Does Mark Antony know that Atia is going to be listening in and that she's right there? Oh, yeah, I think so. He's a pretty savvy guy. And I think that, like, at the very least, we should understand he's got, like, a a decent bit of acumen negotiating with women. And I think that this is, like, one of those plays of, like, well, I'm not talking to them, 
but you can tell them that I said, yeah. while the three people are all like standing within 10 feet of each other, you know, classic uh, middle school behavior. Of like, precisely. I need tell, you to pass. Tell your Alexia, I love her. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah, know? yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think he's, I would agree. I think that he knows that she's right there and then she comes over and interrupts. Um, were you uh, happy well, to see that Octavia is back at home and no longer hanging out at the orgy temple? Yeah, that's good good for her. I mean, well, I mean, you know, live your life, Octavia. Do whatever you want. I don't know. Yeah, she doesn't really real. get much this episode. She's like, that's really it, right? She says, like, Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Too bad. Um uh all right. Who have we not talked about? Do we not talk Brutus about Brutus and Surveil, yeah, maybe? Brutus Do we need to talk? I mean, yeah. Yes. So graffiti all over is that to your response who's responsible for this graffiti which is brutus stabbing um caesar in the back a seemingly a sign that something he people would like him to do is i guess the intention here um, what month is it uh, i think it's like a little right. bit tied to the the proclamation from last week right, right. and that right. there's like this thing mm -hmm. out there with his name attached to it um yep. and but the graffiti yeah i think the plebs did it grace i don't think that Atia did this one okay um and uh and yeah so he's he's mulling it over and it's really going to be this um this offer to go to macedonia he needs someone uh that he could uh he can trust and brutus takes this as oh you don't trust me you would like me not in rome um and so brutus is going to reject um being overseeing macedonia it's a big that feels like an important job but it does feel like an important job. Again, I can't help but think of Crusader Kings, you know, and sometimes when you got these far away, like satellite uh, counties and duchies and stuff, you got to send somebody loyal out there or they're going to like start yeah. an insurrection against you. And it's a pain in the ass to drag your armies like hundreds of miles away from home to defend that stuff. So it's a little bit of like I, my question, I guess, for you, the like, is do you, do you believe Caesar or do you think that he's trying to get like Brutus out of the way because he doesn't trust him? Mm, yeah they don't really make it clear i feel like but i feel like the like brutus is i have to go based on like what brutus's reaction is which is that like this is seemingly not some big pr promotion that like you know as caesar proclaims it or that i need someone i can trust like it i feel like if brutus's react like brutus doesn't even think on it he's like yes no no thanks like if it was in any way like appealing i feel like i have more belief that caesar believes you know that's what he that's it's a good thing and i don't feel like brutus's reaction tells me it's a good thing so i think i believe brutus that it's a way to get brutus out of rome yeah i i tend to take it that way as well right i mean like Caesar is in a tough position as we get with like the Mark Anthony bit of like he needs to turn his enemies into friends. His friends are like potentially about to become his enemies because he can't do right by all these like hollow promises that he made to everybody. He's like overcommitted like every political candidate of the last 2000 years. Uh, and so it's it's a real tough situation. And Brutus, lest we forget, like he's just spent a long time away from home. You know, like yeah. Rome yeah. is Rome. It is a city. It is not the nation of Italy. Like it is the epicenter of culture of like, um, uh, of like 
you know, luxury is the word that I'm struggling for, Grace, of mm -hmm. like all of the accoutrements of civilization at the time. And this man who was like a Roman noble is like, no, dude, like I don't want to sail across the Adriatic and like go have to deal with Macedonia. Yeah. Like yeah. I just got back to my house. It's nice. I have my nice togas back. I eat mm. fruit every day. Like why would I want to do that? You know? So I like totally get it. But it, I mean, I think it's good setup. I love Love, again the use of the graffiti i know that like i have not been kind to the opening credits despite whatever awards they won 15 years ago but nevertheless like the graffiti is a really fun tool to like utilize as part of the storytelling like this is a thing i keep saying on all these podcasts all the time because i think it's so true but like it's it's making the setting a character and in a show that is literally named after the setting i think that's really important you know yeah, I mean, uh, full disclosure, I am skipping those credits every time. <laughs> yeah, <you laughs> I am not that. watching. Yeah, I do like um, the song. I don't mind the song, yeah. but yeah, uh -huh. the credits are not true. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, agreed. I the other piece of this I think is like kind of fun to chat about is the the other piece of this sort of like potential gaslighting here for to believe Brutus is um, being sent away because Caesar doesn't trust him is Caesar being like. Well, I've always thought of you as a son. How about I send you away, boy? <laughs> and then at the end, like, I like that it's like, it's not that Brutus takes it and is like, how dare you call me a son? He's like, no, you're, you're right. Like, I've always seen you as a father figure. And yet you do this to me as a father figure. I, I really liked the way this played out. Cause I think like, you know, another show would, you know, he'd say like, you know, my son, he's like, you don't treat me like you're like, that's not true. You're lying to me. And he's like, no, no, this is true. And yet, despite that, you evil man, you're sending me away. You tyrant, you dictator, you know, I like it. It's a great, it's great energy between them. You know, I mean, again, like we come into this story. So preloaded with our like, you know, pop culture injections of knowledge, these little yeah. bits and pieces. And like, I don't know how you could watch this without considering at two Brute, right? Yeah. And and at the end of the day, like the whole dynamic that Caesar's talking about here, it's like, look, the graffiti's there. Like you already told me about the thing. You told me you didn't sign it. I believe you. I believe you, my sweet son. Mm -hmm. But I can't just leave you here because the people now are responding to this letter with your name attached to it, this proclamation against me, the graffiti in the streets. And I can't be seen as like weak and like ignoring it and just like, like sitting here, not responding, you know? Um, and, and, you know, like I gave like the kind of backhanded compliment to Tobias Menzies last week of like, he's so good at playing these like insipid kind of like power suckling, like would be, you know, bigger men. Mm -hmm. uh, but like he does such a good job with Brutus here you know I do think that the guy like is great for this role and he's able to convey the angst of the moment of like trying to play authentically to Caesar while he's like trying to reconcile all these things because I think to one degree or another like some of what Caesar is saying is true mm -hmm. uh, it's just like where the emphasis really is in the moment you know yeah I, I agree and I, yeah you know I think I do think that you know, Caesar's, as I, you know, presume that, you know, Caesar did not rule for long. So, you know, it's, it's very funny to try and, like, skirt around spoilers of a thing that happened. Uh, happened thousands of years ago. Two thousand years, <laughs> more than 2,000 years ago. But alas, like, you know, um, this is about the rise and fall of, of, of Julius Caesar here on the TV show Rome. So I do think it's interesting to just see that, like, this is a man that, 
you know, I do. I feel like it's so genuine and honest when Brutus is saying, like, you know, like my father. You were actually he doesn't even say like my father. I feel like when he's, if I'm remembering this correctly, when he's yelling at him, he's like, "You're my father." But you know, he's saying this, um, and uh, and and yet, like, you're treating me like this. So this idea of like, the idea of power. I I do think. I don't think I want. You know, I think it's interesting to look at this this first season as you know it's a twelve episode season, which is a bit of a rarity to get even more than ten these days is is wild and and many shows to get more than eight or six. I know seven. it's BS. Uh. Yeah, but on one hand, I do feel like this has been it's been really compelling. I really do like the show a lot. I think that like some of those episodes, um, like the late to middle episodes, like um, thinking like, you know, the, the episode in Egypt and the one following that, like they're so strong and they're so compelling. And the only thing here is like Caesar becoming dictator for life happens by, via the newsreader who we are both big fans of the newsreader. <laughs> sure. Are. But I do think that there is a, uh, an essence there for me that it is, there's, a, you know, I, we were just talking about another show where I said, like, you know, for me, I want a little bit more of the details. Like, I kind of love getting into the the weeds on some of this stuff. And that's not really what the show is doing to a, a degree. It's much more, you know, it's much more interested in, in personal conflict, which, again, knowing how Caesar dies is completely fine. But that's how it happens with, uh, you know, in in. um while losing some of the like, you know, intricacies of like, yeah, which I think is, you know, probably is, is fine. Um, it, but it, yeah, it's like when the newsreader is like, and Caesar has been named dictator for life. You're like, oh, okay. Yep. Like, okay. Um, which feels like a hugely significant moment. And yet is like, you know, exposition in a, in a very small scene in this episode. Yeah, it's a really interesting thing. I mean, again, part of it is like just to date the show, you know, this is at a time that like television is still very much considered the small screen, right? Like The uh -huh. Sopranos is kind of uh, the kingpin for HBO at the time. But we're existing at a time before like <laughs> the billion dollar production buzzards of like a Rings of Power or even like a Game of Thrones is like getting what it gets. And so I think you can feel the ways. I keep relating it back to like the show feels so much to me like a play and a little bit of that is like the Shakespeare of it all incepting the way I look at it but it's like it's this big idea in a really big place in a big time in history but we're going into like the rooms where it happened right and it's just about like these small scenes between individuals and that's part of the fun of it is like framing up the personal like shortcomings and character defects and motivations of individuals speculating about them a little bit in this with this like historical context that we have to create the drama that we're going to watch you know um and in that way yeah. i think it's like really successful and like super compelling but we do lose the forest for the trees a little bit in like doing some of the research over the last couple of weeks i came across this really funny thing about the actual history of the show rome where mm -hmm. apparently a couple of years ago it got released on british netflix okay and the like where maybe it aired on the bbc i'm sorry i'm misstating it 
I think it was on the BBC because I was, think that yeah. the show is like a joint production between it is the from, BBC and HBO, right? Yeah, it's BBC Two and, and HBO. Yeah. Okay, so uh, you like I think are probably exposed to more like BBC content than I am, but I know that when it aired in in England at the time, they compressed the first three episodes. They re-edited the entire beginning of the series because they were operating under the assumption that British people already know the history mm-hmm. we don't need to explain as much as we do and so they do this like uh mangala job of like re-editing this kind of frankenstein beast of an episode mm-hmm. one of the entire series that gets released <laughs> in the bbc and like i've known i've found it in like the reddits talking about the show from years ago i saw the showrunners uh bruno heller i believe was the guy who was talking about like yeah no I do not endorse that abomination of the first episode of my show. They like absolutely mutilated it. So I think that there's this dynamic a little bit behind the, even the creators that like, and, and real talk, I think in the world of like 2005, there's a little bit more of an assumption that people have knowledge, like inherent knowledge gained from their various educations around the world that mm-hmm. will bring them into the beginning of Rome with some context for all of this. Like, I think a world where Rome gets made in 2023, the showrunners are operating with much less of an assumption that like a typical 20 year old American has any awareness of anything that Shakespeare ever wrote about rum or even knows the line at two Brute or let alone like the love affair of Mark Anthony and Cleopatra and all this stuff. I think it's a really interesting, like kind of meta commentary around like where the discussion of like Rome is happening in terms of like the current history that we're moving through. That may be a really boring tangent to go off. No, no, it's really interesting. Cause I, I think one of the things I said early on was a point I made was that I feel like, Caesar, you know, it sounds silly like to use reality TV terminology, but that like Caesar gets like a really good edit. Yep. Uh, you know, early on. And then you were like, you know, we should wait. Like, this is like, he's not quite yet. Like, he's not even back in Rome. Like, or maybe he had, that was like when he had first said come. And it's like, you know, we'll see how long this like being the dictator tyrant that like we know he will be. And the fact that like he does not rule for very long. Let's see how long that lasts. I do feel like to an extent, while the show has shown him to be at times a very good uh, political manipulator and also at the same time there are gaps in his you know um ability to read what's happening circa the fact that like he spurns servilia who urges on mm-hmm. brutus by the end of this episode to be like yeah i don't need to be friends with him and i need to do my duty to the republic mm-hmm. i feel like the show isn't really interested in whether or not he's good or bad it's like he has he had these skills that like why why was it interesting you know obviously interesting the fall of the republic which um you know that's what we're seeing is like caesar gets named dictator for life how does that happen and then how what is the aftermath of that which we know is he will die he will be killed so but i i feel like a modern day like i i'm i think the idea of like what the time was like in 2005 is an interesting point because that's when the show was made. And I feel like we're watching it now in 2023. And I, I do feel like we're in a much more politicized time, obviously there were. So this idea of a show that's about politics, even if it's like, you know, Roman politics Mm -hmm. is one that you would, I was coming in expecting it to have much more of a political um, 
aspect to it than it does. And that's not a critique of the show. It's where my expectations were and where I'm like matching, you know, trying to like readjust and recalibrate as we're watching it. Because I think in 2023, there is much more of an expectation of like, you know, we're watching Yellowstone, which I feel like, you know, we also has this idea of like, you know, that it feels a little bit more right wingy, you know, and that's like the yep. perception it has, even if in the show, you know, is that in there? I don't know. But, but I feel like, you know, every we're just such more of a political, political, politicized, you know, um, I was going to say country. I'm not American, but like we feed off of uh, America. Well, the world. So, yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, the world is in a much more um, antagonistic place politically. I'll say that. Right. Like as somebody that, you know, I was coming up at that point, I'm 25 years old in 2005 and I've just voted in my first presidential election, which is like basically a bungling disaster. Right. And the like political climate at the time was charged. There was a lot of like mounting conflict and tension. But I think that the ensuing 20 years of like, you know, cable news machines and broadcasting and certainly like the echo chambers created by the various like social media platforms that exist in the world now and the like you know the the global pandemic that just swept the world this is all like culminated in a dynamic that like i feel as a 43 year old man like the world is more uh, politically hostile than it ever has been before there's less room for discourse and it is much more likely that any type of political commentary is immediately kind of responded to with these real tribal reactions right of like oh yellowstone conservative bad oh this uh too woke bad right like either way uh i think that there's a lot of like media gets dumped into the same kind of buckets that we use to identify with like the the binary sides that are like um looking for war with one another now so it's really fascinating dynamic and i think certainly you can't talk about ancient rome in the modern day without reflecting on the ways that like the modern day echoes ancient rome yeah yeah, no, totally, uh, totally agree. It feels like this show is a bit kind of politically agnostic, if that's yep. if that's fair. That's like my yep. my feeling. Um, all right, let's put some folks into the arena. Should we be saying the arena now that we actually know that like they do this, but it's not in the Coliseum? I don't know. Anyway, uh, you get to put someone in first, Rich, if you'd like. Oh my gosh, I do get to put someone in first, don't I? I'm going with my man, Titus Pulo. He dodged some serious bullets here. He got the worst lawyer ever. The only guy who was able to represent him. The only sacrifice that he had for the gods was a freaking cockroach. How much blood did he squeeze out of that thing? That's no king of Gaul, Grace. I want to know if the other cockroaches came to get that cockroach's corpse and like, <laughs> uh, part with yeah. the fell. And then ultimately, his boy who gave him the Abbey Maria, you are dead to me is it like brings him back to life emotionally it saves him at that final hour him chanting 13 it like is very hypey you know it's pretty good he has a real good showing before the big bad guy with the skull base rolls out to like knock him on his ass for the final beat but in the 11th hour lucius Ferenis drags his half-dead corpse out of that freaking pit even though that one old lady ran around screaming after a murder murder in the beginning i think titus pula had a pretty good week yeah, um, I would totally agree, and I actually don't really know who else you give this to. I don't, I don't know. I'm like, the, who else has a good? Maskless? 
Yeah, he gets okay. Yeah, let's put Mascus in there. Who would have thought Mascus would be in there? He gets Pasca. Pasca looked like he was really enjoying that glass of water at the end. I like Pasca. Thought it was water. I thought it was wine on the. the, Oh, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I thought he was like, oh my god, used a veteran. I don't know. I thought about Erastes. He doesn't have a bat. I mean, the worst thing is that Pasco scolded him. Was like, don't use a veteran next time. But other than that, I mean, yeah, he gets paid. He gets paid a little late, but I mean, Erastes made out pretty good of this whole deal, right? Like, he, yeah, I don't know. Varenus isn't bad. He like secures the deal, he earns Caesar's trust, then he saves Pula, and we haven't seen the downfall of that. Maybe I'll put Varenus in, but I think it's pretty obvious that this has to be a Titus Pula victory. I think it's fair. I think it's fair. A part of me wanted to like nominate Varenus again because he manages to save his friend, yeah. but the other part of me is like, I'm pretty sure this episode is like very much making a commentary about how Lucius Varenus has sold the soul to Caesar, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 All right. Do you have a scene you want to highlight in particular? It's got to be the the gladiator fight at the end. You know, I mean, it seems a little bit basic. I really like the almost breaking Titus out, but I, I, the gladiator beat at the end. We don't get a lot of like awesome combat in here, but considering like it's not an action oriented show, I thought it was really well choreographed. I thought that the like costuming was great. That big dude in a scary mace, like it was all really cool. I like, uh, I love gladiators fighting. I like hot, sweaty men in the sand, Grace. You're t- preaching hey, the fire. I- um i gotta give my my highlight of a scene to it's gotta be the bad lawyer who just like basically like he's like so we all know he's guilty he's the judge is like okay he's guilty he's like wait what it's like so good so good it's so funny it's hilarious and it's you know it's about pula being sentenced to death but it's too good of this like meek lawyer just being like so the man killed a man he's like no you're supposed to say he didn't he's like wait what it's just like it's just too good it's so good just that i I really can't get over the kids like tormenting him from under the rafters adds like a whole nother element of like no you literally can get no respect from anybody right (laughs) pretty good um all right rich we'll be back tomorrow with the season finale (gasps) season one the fall of season one of Rome. Oh, season one of Rome. Yeah, more than halfway through. We just finished we're, that we're just uh oh, yeah, this is halfway this through. This is halfway. Yeah, wild, wild. Oh, wild, wild. we're yeah. halfway there. Oh. Yeah. Yep. All right. Um uh, Rich, in the meantime, where can people find you? Uh I'm at DM Philly out there on the social media. Set me up. My DMs are open on Twitter. I uh can be found at high from Grace or at Go for Grace, and we'll be back tomorrow talking about Rome every single day. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. 
Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.